Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Halt. Today, um, Ant and I are here with the man that we've been we've been getting multiple requests for, Palm Tree, a.k.a. Rodessa, a.k.a. Double Palm Tree, a.k.a. The Man, a.k.a. The Person Who Went Away From Twitter and Came Back and Is Killing It Now. How you doing, man? I'm very well. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're super excited to... Uh, get you on because we had a ton of people who wanted you on and a ton of people who uh kept dming like hey you need to get rodessa he's the man when it comes to scalps he's the man uh when it comes to small caps and then you're transitioning to options now so it's gonna be great to talk to you about that just that transition overall yeah definitely i look forward to it yeah so we kind of start off with some news so today there came there was a report that if it's a cold winter that uh oil could rise to $90. And I just kind of want to get your guys' um, opinions on how that's going to impact kind of the oil sector in general, possibly spy, possibly um, small cap oilers, oilers under $1, which that's what I'm looking at is oilers under $1. There's like US, WS, um, the CEI was partially oil. I know that. Um, there's it, a few other ones I had my eye on. Is, what is it? Is it HUSA, H-U-S-A, GBR? Those are some other ones. GBR is a good one, too. Um, Rodessa, does that, ha- does that have anything that makes you, uh, like it makes you want to look at or anything in the large cap realm or anything? Yeah, so for Oilers, they're definitely a tricky small cap trade. Um, I ne- remember when I first started trading, which was uh, like two years ago, Oilers, they were hot back then. They ran a lot, and they ran for like a over 100% if you were to get them on a dip and just hold it for a few months. Um, But nowadays, it's one of those trends that had died off because too many people found out about it. Um, And they're very, very hard to trade. For the most part, I do not trade them. However, every time I say I won't trade them, I eventually do trade them. (laughs) Um, They're like shippers. You kind of get, they're kind of the theme, so you got to trade them. They're, They're what's moving. Yeah, um, they can move fast too. I know that. Like, I know that they can go 100% in one day, and the entire sector can go 50% like within a few days or whatever it is. Definitely. And then a huge issue with them is, is timing them. Sometimes there's like obvious reasons for them to go up for that sector to be in high demand, but it won't go up. And then, you know, you'll just have a bunch of reasons stacked up, and then eventually it'll go. Um, but when I do trade them, it's normally just for a day trade. I realize every time I try to overnight them, you know, the sentiment on Twitter always made me feel that, okay, this is actually going to be the time they run, right? Mm-hmm. So I got, you know, time in my favor. Um, but it turns out that they'll like gap down the next day. It's just not their time. So that's why I've been pushing myself away for them 
um, for the most part. I think it's yeah. I think it's comparable to weed, kind of, because I've I know whenever weed gets hot, it it tends to not last. Like um, we'll see a few of the names have a have a nice pre market, a nice open, and then they'll just fade hard the rest of the day. I think it's comparable to that, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, something you definitely don't want to get caught in is trying to pick the sympathy. That'll go. Um, or if you do try to pick a sympathy, make sure you're first on it. Because if you're not first on it um, before like a tweet gets out, I feel like you're just chasing it because they come down so hard. They go up really fast, but they come down just as hard. The trading sympathies off of that are very difficult, at least for me. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing like for sympathies that I feel like is kind of important for people is there's levels to sympathies as well. Like when TCAT goes, um, DLPN is the closest to it. Um, I think is it what? Yeah. WKey is, is lags, pretty close. Though. Yeah. It lags. Um, but ones like Zekin, uh, those are ones that like you might get like a 3% move if, if TCAT moves like 20%. But like DLPN, if, if, TCAT moves 10%, DLP ends up five or 4%. Like there's, there's first, there's uh, first level, there's secondary. And then there's also like some that like barely move or sometimes will just bust off for no reason. Um, and then that, that causes people to chase them the next time. And then they do absolutely nothing. So you kind of got to have those lists and then have the, the levels in your mind as you're watching. Yeah, definitely keep track of the ones that moved during the initial run because if you don't do that, you're you're gonna choose the one that goes down, and it's not the best outcome for you. It's one of those things too that you start to realize, like once you see everybody start tweeting about stuff, it's probably too late. Um, yeah. Also, if you have to ask if it's too late, it's too late. <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. am I, I chasing in your head? If that comes through your head, then you're chasing. Yeah. So like, I know that's something I noticed when I first started is like. Once I see everyone talking about it, then it's probably too late. Um, yeah. I mean, there's obviously yeah, it's exceptions. Definitely, it's definitely good to have that list ready for when they do go, especially for like the weed tickers or any sector that goes up. Have the ones ready so that you're ready at all times. Yeah. Not just the list of like, you know, all 15 of them or all 10 of them. Have the ones that moved very nicely the first time because those are likely the ones that are going to, be brought up by gurus. Yeah, um, your Tilray's yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tilray and then SNDL comes right after. Um, <laughs> do you guys understand Evergrande? Because that's kind of the. I think it isn't. Yeah, it's like a Lehman Brothers type situation, but over in China. I know it's like a big debt thing, but like I didn't. I was kind of like confused for a little while on what it was. Like, how do you guys think that's going to impact stuff? Uh, Rodessa, so you can go first if you want. Yeah, so there was news out today that it. I think they said like everything's gonna be okay with it. I don't know if you're supposed to take that with a grain of salt. Uh, I kind of just play it year by year. So just for what I'm doing, uh, a lot of stocks are in really great dip opportunities, especially for large caps, which are arguably gonna be more, um, uh, it's gonna have more of an impact on them. Uh, but I don't have any swings right now. I'm just waiting for it to all settle before I take a swing position. I just feel like it's too unpredictable right now. Yeah, because I know China stocks in general got hammered, like Win Baba. Um, some of those other ones, like Neo, took a pretty good hit from it too. I saw. Um, yeah, I saw that they're in like three hundred billion dollars worth of debt, and I think the yeah. issue was they they weren't they were trying to not pay their debt back. But I think 
I saw today that the situa situation got sorted, but to be $300 billion in debt is ridiculous. Yeah, because isn't it like China's in a ton of debt and then Evergrande or Evergrande is like one of the biggest like companies that builds things and they just came out and said that they're in like another massive amount of debt. Like they can't fulfill the projects that they've already begun or that people have already like done for them. So that like that debt is being added on to China's debt and it's another like crazy amount. Well, I think that's what it is. I think that another problem is like China is like China's involved with everybody like trade wise, you know what I yeah. mean? So the fact that that company is in that large amount of debt, I think it definitely affects China as a whole. And I read today that, they're in three hundred billion dollars worth of debt, and the whole state of or the whole country of Russia is in two hundred and fifty billion dollars worth of debt. For like comparison, so you got to that's nuts. Yeah, it's a crazy situation. Something um, that I used to never do with news switch situations like this is take advantage of it. So like when you do hear about this, the first thing that goes to my mind immediately, and what did happen just a few days ago was short Alibaba at open right. That's a large tech, large cap ticker I trade on a daily basis. It's connected to China. You know, China's not doing too well. Stuff like that. I used to just let news go through one ear and out the other. But now I kind of take advantage of any situation I can make out of news. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, so, Teddy, what are you drinking today? Because I got something different for you. Okay. Well, I'll get through mine real quick. So, I got this... Um... It's treehouse brewing. So I think people on the East coast are like obsessed with that. Apparently someone, um, from my, my discord sent it to me, it's called heat wave. Um, and it's basically, it's a double IPA. Um, it's kind of got like mango in it. This it's cool can. It's like got like can. sunflowers and stuff on it. Yeah. It's, it's actually pretty good. Like it tastes pretty normal, like a normal IPA, but then there's like a little more mango in it and stuff. I've but, never uh, heard of that and I'm on the East coast. So you might do the, the uh they had a coffee stout it was like a coffee peanut butter and it tasted exactly like reese's it was super good is that the one you tweeted i think i saw that yeah. mm -hmm. people like in the comments were like this is my favorite beer like everyone <laughs> and then i would go look at their profile and it'd be like east coast people i've never heard of it but i have i don't have a seltzer or beer i have this sake that i bought at i honestly bought it because the bottle looked cool <laughs> But it actually tastes very good. Um, what are the odds you take a swig? Bullish versus bullshit, I'll take a swig. How about that? Okay. That's something. Like good. how you say you chose it because of the bottle. If ever <laughs> I go wine shopping, it's normally like, this is a pretty cool. I like That's how I judge off. everything, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll what kind of wine do you that. drink? I want to know, like, what, like, do you like, like, cabs or something or better than the others? Because we had Incredible Bob on here, and he was talking big wine stuff, and so I went and tried wine. So I kind of know what it is now, but what kind do you drink the most, you'd say? I'll be completely honest with you. I don't really know the difference between a lot of the ones I drink. I just, like, I go to, like, Total Wine. It's the winery that, um, or is the place I buy my wine from, and there's just, like, a wall of, like, a bunch of different ones, and I'll just go to, like, the, the one with red wine and... I, like I said, I'll just choose it based off of like the flavor profile and uh, the picture on the bottle. There you go. I'm it's... not too picky. I don't like, honestly, I know a lot of people would be like, I like the taste, whether it's an IPA, whether it's whiskey, whether it's wine. I never like the taste. I just drink it because it, because the, the bottle. 
yeah yeah that's the best way yeah (laughs) yeah no i i like i've been drinking a little bit more wine but i drink beer and wine mostly Um, do you have a specific kind of wine you like or any recommendations um incredible bob got me on it's called the prisoner is the company um it's from orange swift you can get like what are they called one of them is called saldo s-a-l-d-o um it's a red it's a like a zifendel it's a red wine and then there's one that's just called prisoner and that's another red wine that's really good um and then he also wants me to try mercury head i haven't tried that yet but when i like get tired of those reds because those reds are really good like those those two that i mentioned that i've had those are really good but when i get tired of that i go and try like one of the white wines or like a I think it's, I don't know how to say it, a Riesling or something, but it tastes Riesling? super fruity. Riesling? Is that, yeah. Riesling. Riesling. It's super fruity. And I like fruity kind of like, I guess it's a good change of pace from the reds that are usually pretty dry and like oaky and stuff. So See, I they can't taste like dry. apples and pears. I can't do dry wine. I don't, I've tried. It's just, I don't know, something about it. Yeah. You got to try the white wine then, like the sweet fruity ones. Those are good. Yeah. Dude. I'll be completely honest. I'm a, I'm a sucker for like, girly drinks i guess is what they call them yeah like, they're so good man those are the you ones know, the that test that the you get out of mexico at the resorts yeah those are the ones that taste the best i don't i don't yeah, care if anyone yeah. gives me shit for that or not <laughs> blended uh, strawberry margarita oh man i'll take that fun. every day cosmopolitan used, all the girls oh yeah yeah dude i used to work like at a, a, go ahead like I was just gonna say, like a like a screwdriver, or like a peach. What are they like a peach? Sunset I don't know what it's called. or whatever it is, tequila sunset or sunrise. Yeah, or so good. You used to work at a bar. Yeah, and we'd make this drink. Like we'd take like two whole oranges and like squeeze them, squeeze the juice out, and then we would put like it was triple second orange vodka, and then you'd put a little bit of spray in it, dude. You couldn't taste alcohol, and it tasted so good. Like you'd start pounding them, and you're like three in, and like you're just drinking it like a normal drink and you it like hits you hard like that's the thing that about those so those drinks that taste good they just hit you out of nowhere i would i would much rather drink that than be a man and drink my bush light and straight vodka or straight whiskey you know yeah but uh anyway Rodessa, i have some questions for you that i always ask the guests um the first one i always like to ask is what is like the origin of your trading how did you Basically, how did you get into trading um, and what's kind of the backstory behind that? Yeah, like many people, I started off uh, on my own and then I just typed in one day in like the app store. Uh, I was looking for something like an Instagram for stocks and sure enough, stock twits popped up. And from there, uh, you know, I quickly learned the ropes of the do's and don'ts of stock twits. Um, I actually met shark trader you guys yeah. just had him on he was on, great. he's the man dude yeah i met him on there and at that time i was asking him like hundreds of questions a day i feel like all very stupid questions but he was very nice and kind enough to answer them all and then somehow from there i found atlas from a link that this guy sent and i initially thought it was a scam because i was like i never heard of discord and then like i had problems when i first created my account um, so I was like, dang, I just got like scammed or something. Um, but yeah, I found Atlas and then I found all the originals, um, from there, Emperor Trades, you know, Bearfucker, um, you know, everyone who started there and I stuck in what was once I think the scalp room turned 
to the Momo room now. And yeah, fortunately I was like right place, right time. When I entered, it was still fairly small. So the big dogs, you were able to talk to them one-on-one in direct messages. Yeah. So that's yeah. how I became friends with a lot of people like, uh, you know, Emperor Trades, Fairfucker, Brady, uh, even messaged PJ a few times. And they're all super very helpful. And um, from there, it just took off, right? I just had screen time. You know, I, I'm in school and I was just trading whenever I could, learning a lot from them. And it just took off from there. I definitely had a, a good boost in my account from the COVID days. Uh, I fortunately never blew up an account like a lot of people have. Um, but I, I definitely learned discipline and patience from Atlas. I learned everything I knew from Atlas. So I have them to thank for everything. So, so would you say that Shark technically would have been kind of like a mentor figure or was it more of Oh, no. Yeah, most definitely. So what I used to do back then was a lot of them never posted their charts. And that's why I always posted my charts whenever I was calling something on the floor. Because uh, I knew like it kind of, I couldn't really get a feel for what they were seeing until after hours. Yeah. So that's why I really like to you know, give back in that way or in that sense by posting it live, which was sometimes kind of a pain in the butt. But I wanted people to see exactly what I was seeing with the lines that I had drawn with the, the, the key break levels and, um, and yeah. You kind of became somewhat of like one of the stars of the Atlas Momo team. I remember um, hanging out in the Momo chat because I, I don't I didn't momentum trade much back then. Um, months ago, like six, eight months ago, I was still swinging most of the time, which I, I now scalp a lot more than I used to. But I remember you would post things and people would go more crazy than they went for anyone else posting anything. There'd be palm tree emojis everywhere. People in the chat would be like, King Rodessa is on this. We've <laughs> got to get on too. So like, I just, I remember you, you climbed the ranks really, really quickly in that Momo chat, which was really cool to see. Yeah. I was just super passionate about it. And, you know, I was the philosophy around Atlas was to do everything for free. So you know, I just shared everything that was on my mind. I was a developing trader back then. I still am. I still have a long way from where I could be. And, uh, you know, that's the wonderful thing about trading. You're never really at a stopping point. You're always growing. Um, but those who were with me, you know, got to see the full development because I put everything out there. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to see you adding tools to your toolbox too, because I mean, we were talking before this, um, we're all kind of the same age and we're all putting tools in our toolbox. We're young guys. Like I've, I've started swinging and then I got into scalping. And then now that I've got into scalping, I've been scalping options for a month or two now. And now I'm looking at like doing some more complicated options, some swings, which I consider swinging options a little more complicated than scalping them. Um, so I'm looking at that and like, it's cool to see you on that same path and that same kind of like adding different tools and adding different things to, uh, kind of just the, the, the trader you are. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just super cool. Yeah. And I honestly, it was never like, I, it was kind of worked organically my transition from small caps to large caps. It wasn't because it was slow. I know a lot of people think that a lot of us are moving over because small caps have been slow. Uh, a lot of people, admit to moving over because they're like, I'm done with the manipulation and small cap. I never had that problem. I never complained about that. 
there is a certain way to trade them that's far different from large caps. And um, I'm able to trade them. I just realized that with, in my first week of trading large caps, the risk could remain the same. And I know people argue that, uh, especially on the Twitter space that we were on today, um, that you know you want a little tighter or you want a little wider stop loss for options. And I'd argue that that's true for like OTM options. Um, but for the most part, if you're trading in the money options, I always keep, uh, I don't have a hard stop, but I always keep like a, you know, 10, 15% stop loss. And I think it just has a lot to do with my trading system that I'm able to do that. I don't, um, I, I kind of have somewhat of a, a controversial um, trading system. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the tweet that Ripster had posted, but he went over range breakouts and a lot of people get range breakouts confused with zones, like zone trading, like it's supply and demand. Um, yeah. When I add, I add in like a an area um, that's consolidating, right? So just think of like a box and whether that be a supply box or a demand box, right? A demand meaning it's in a dip, supply meaning you're a bit overextended. I'll add the breakout of the box. So when I'm adding, I'm typically adding, you know, I scale into the trade, right, on the higher end um, or the lower end. But I typically add my full law on the break, right, because as soon as that breaks, it's like, okay, you know, when you are trading those boxes, if it goes this direction, it's going to be bearish. If it goes this direction, it's going to be bullish. So I don't really um, use um, any scaling methods or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, that's... Time it. Timing is super important for my personality. So getting in at the moment of breakout or breakdown is where I aim for. Yeah. Um, so I guess like a quick question I had, and then we'll get back to, to ants questions, but like, since your, your plan consists a lot of trading the breakouts and the breakdowns, um, how do you kind of set that up? So like if you were trading something and you saw that you thought it was going to make its move, how would you kind of set that trade up if you're looking at it and it's in its consolidation at the moment? So I don't, I think I understand what you're saying. So when I trade, due to the fact that I don't use like uh, supply and demand areas, so I don't necessarily know when exactly, um, like I'm not waiting for it to go to this price. Um, I have to be monitoring the stocks that I'm looking at at all times, because at any point in the day, they could be forming a pattern that I like. Um, uh, can I ask you to reword that? Cause I, I don't think. I yeah. So how do you set up? So if, if I'm trading a stock, that's like a dollar um, it's, it's been a dollar for a few days, but now it's a dollar 10 and there's a bull flag on the, the chart. How are you setting up your trade around that? If it's, if it's flagging at a dollar 10, um, are you waiting for it to break through a dollar 10? So it's, it's okay. Let wow. me reword that part. So it's flagging at like a dollar eight. But you know, a dollar ten is the next big resistance. Are you waiting for it to break that, or are you buying at a dollar eight and then playing it for that break and then selling once it breaks, or are you buying right after the break and then selling as it goes up with the momentum? Uh, so normally, I'll start to. Um, so earlier, I said I don't really like scale in, and that's more or less true. I don't scale in with the intent of averaging down within like a 20 cent zone. I'm scaling in like 
it's like within a five cent zone. And so okay. it's just in this general area. So I'm just clicking pretty much, right? If it goes a little low and then you know, take those shares, but it's a really tight zone. Uh, but for like a flag break, I'm getting some in in anticipation of the move. And then when you know that resistance level breaks, that's when I'm adding the majority of my position. I don't. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much I, more sense. Cause I was kind of confused on what you're saying. So you add quite a bit more once it breaks through that resistance. Yeah. And to give more context to that, I trade on the five minute time frame. So the flag breaks that I'm trading have a higher probability than like a one minute flag of successfully breaking out. Right. Because yep. it's simple. Yeah. The higher the time frame, the stronger the trend. Um, so when you're trading on the five minute versus the one minute, your probability or the 10 minute, maybe you have a 10 minute flag, right? That's going to be a lot better than entering on a one minute flag. And when I do enter, I don't wait for a candle close. I don't wait for a retest. Um, normally I get in right at that spot. So if it were to retest, I'm going to be getting in at the same level. And okay. something I noticed for a lot of the large cap tickers that I love to trade is sometimes they won't retest whether that be a retest on the five minute whether that be a retest on the one minute they won't retest some of them are really strong personalities and that's just something you have to identify if you're trading like that yeah something we talk about talked about before is like you're trading on the five minute i trade majority on the five minute when i'm scalping is like the one minute is just basically noise within that five minute chart you can kind of think about it like that. Like everything going on in the one minute is essentially noise. Um, people always ask me, oh, what am I using to scalp? I'm always using the five minute. Like maybe I'll check the, the, the minute chart here and there, but I swear by the five minute. So, yeah, I, I would agree. I swear by the five minute because I'll check, like I, like you said, I'll check the one minute just to make sure that there's not some like mini head and shoulders forming on the one minute that I can't see on the five. But I usually start with five, and if there's something forming that I like, then I'll move towards the uh, the 10, the 15, even the 30-minute, make sure I'm not betting against a stronger trend. But I prefer the five-minute for, for scalping. Yeah. Yeah, and when I do enter, I normally do flip to that one-minute time frame because, right, I need to see that candle actually break above it mm -hmm. and yeah. really what's going on. Uh, but there's also something that I like to base trades off of, um, that I've mentioned uh, uh, in Atlas and on my journey is time frame alignment. So I know it could get it confusing, especially out of context, but you could have a very success, successful one minute flag. Um, but for the most part, when you are trading those uh, higher time frames, if the five minute looks like the one minute and the one minute looks like the five minute and the five minute looks like the 10 minute and the 10 minute looks like the 15 minute, they're all showing flags. You got to think that everyone who's using maybe some people are just on the 10 minute right maybe some people are just on the one minute everyone's seeing the same exact setup so if it's a very bullish setup whether it be a flag or a trend line break or whatever it may be they're all seeing the same thing so it's kind of like a a huge network working in your favor um yeah. so always make sure that like what you're seeing is validated on higher time frames because that could actually help you uh, stay in the trade much longer and keep you from selling out too soon, right? Because if you have a five-minute flag and it's also a 10-minute flag, the 10-minute breakout is designed to be a lot bigger than a five-minute breakout. Yeah. So if they're aligning in that sense, um, you definitely want to realize that because that's definitely helped me 
um, from selling too soon. Yeah. For, also, for, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So, so also I noticed that in trading options, especially in the money options, um, not only will the underlying, right, the equity have a, in our example, is a five minute flag, you'll actually have the option showing a five minute flag as well. So options traders are also seeing that. Um, so it's just everyone seeing the same thing, which increases the probability of a breakout. Yeah. Um, just a quick thing to touch on for anyone who is kind of struggling to, to understand what he means by the, all of that aligning. Um, it's similar to the fact that everyone is looking at a certain, um, I guess, uh, indicator on a chart. So if everyone is seeing a stock break above a 20 MA, and then everyone is seeing the stock, um, moving towards the 50 MA and seeing that as the price target, then what do you think is likely to happen? You think that it's likely to break over the 20 MA, hold above for a little bit, run to the 50 MA, and then most people are going to start to sell. Um, it's very similar to what he's saying about how all of the charts showing the same thing gets more people interested in it. So there's going to be more people on it. There's going to be all of the one minute traders, all the two minute time frame traders, all the five minute, all the 10 minute, all the 15, 30, even the daily traders. If they see something that aligns, then, then you're going to have all of those traders on it. Um, rather than like, if we're going back to the indicator kind of thing, rather than someone who uses a certain, um, Fibonacci that's different than most other people, they're not going to have as many traders on them. Um, but if someone who uses those MAs or the MACD sees something, then that's going to bring in everyone because everyone uses that just like the timeframes, the more that line up, the more traders are going to be on something. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I, um, used to really, really hate VWAP and the MACD. I saw you tweet that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Ever since uh, my journey into options, uh, I use VWAP and MACD. It's a very good, because everyone's looking at it, right? Yeah, it's the power of groupthink. Yeah, exactly. All right, so the second question I have that I ask everybody is, what would you, what would be your biggest piece of advice for a beginner trader? Looking back now, if you, like if the one thing that you think is the most important, I know there's a, a lot of things that are important, but to you, what is the most important thing you could tell a beginner trader? That's a good question. I feel like for different people it varies, but you know, if you are trading, you'll and you've been welcomed to the world of FinTwit or any discord, you'll realize that there's a lot of things to trade. There's small caps, there's mid caps, there's large caps, there's day trading, there's swing trading, there's overnights, there's pre-market, there's after hours. I would recommend sticking to one individual thing. Um, so like, for example, I would trade just small caps in just the five minute intraday, right? Um, there's different time frames you can trade on. Uh, I've found success in trading the five minute intraday. You guys have mentioned you found success there. Um, so if you do do that, right, don't go to the one minute, right? Don't go to the, the, the 10 minute. Don't go to the daily even, right? But we all know the daily is super important, especially for small caps, right? For getting price targets. But for the most part, you wanna understand the five minute technical patterns on a small cap. Or if you're gonna do large caps, right? Stick to just five minute intraday trading um, based off of technical analysis on large caps. Um, or if you're swing trading, right? Go find someone who's really good at it, 
it might take you a day or two, but for the most part, you'll figure out who's good at day trading and who's good at swing trading if you're on uh, Fintoil and uh, follow them, right? Don't copy them. You could copy them and learn your mistake that way, not to copy them, but understand what they're seeing, right? Take advantage of the resources that we have because right? these traders that we have resource and access to are millionaire traders, right? They're very good traders. They're very wise. They're very knowledgeable. So you don't want to completely let that go to waste. Uh, and maybe your niche is DD. Maybe you love researching these companies. Then you can go find someone who does DD, right? Uh, but stick to one individual thing. Don't overcomplicate it. Just have volume up there. Mess around for a week using moving averages. And I'm sure, I don't know, like for my um experience i went from using moving averages to adding like three things underneath my volume macd you know rsi scott or whatever else there is to add underneath i added a bunch like at one point i had the awesome indicator uh, oscillator underneath my um, chart and that all went from using naked charts to doing that to realizing a month later that naked charts is what i need to stick on you just really need to know that it is a process, right? You're not going to know exactly um, what your niche is in the first month of trading or even the first three months, right? You need to have your foot in the water with small caps. You need to have your foot in the water with large caps. And when you do decide small caps and large caps, make sure you decide to do it at the right time for each, right? In the middle of August, you don't want to be like, hey, I'm going to go try small caps, right? And then you'll get this huge um, misinterpretation on how they trade. Yeah. I think that's perfectly said. Make something your focal point and uh, run with it. Get really good at it and then get good at the next thing. Um, for me, the first thing I got good at is, is DD. And I am still still do that quite a bit. But now I've transitioned. I, I started DD with like mid caps. And now I've, I've expanded to large caps and small caps. Uh, I also do small cap intraday um, trading and I also do options. I also do um, swing trading for options. So yeah, just start with something, get good at it and then get good at other things and decide which one is your favorite. Yeah, exactly. And some people are just too impatient with that. They don't realize that they need to try everything in order to find the one thing that works for them. Yep. Yeah. It's a process. It's not just like, Oh, I'm going to try this for a week. And if I don't figure it out, it's onto the next thing. It's like, that's really not how it works. You got, if I don't double my account, then it's not made for me. So I'm going to move on to the next thing. Nah, like exactly. it's going to take months for you to even be profitable with new, new things. It took me, I lost probably, um, 25 options trades in a row before I even figured out how to like, like figure it out. And that was like three or four months ago. Like I'm like, I've been trading for three years, four years. And three months ago, I was losing every single options trade I was doing because I didn't understand how to do it. And then I finally realized I just need to focus on a few tickers and like see how they actually trade throughout the day, be able to recognize things on the five minute from two days ago that that happened and then be able to recognize it and trade that. Um, so yeah, it just, it takes time. Everyone's going to lose at the beginning. You're going to, you're going to lose more than you're going to win most likely unless you have beginner's luck. So yeah, just, just make a, make something your focal point, um, get good at it and uh, move on to the next, get good at something else and then decide which one is better for you. Yeah. And definitely silence out that noise from Twitter. I know a lot of people grow small accounts, very, very big accounts in a very short period of time. And that can be very misleading, especially for a new trader who's struggling every day. They're like, you know, what am I doing wrong? This is taking forever. 
you know, should yeah. I stop? But, you know, they don't realize that the average person takes maybe two to three years to actually get it down, sometimes more, right? Like I've heard yeah. Mitch Hicks say it took him five years, but he, if you stay headstrong in this game, eventually you will figure out, figure it out. I'm a firm believer of that. Yeah, it's it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's a um, a process, like like Ant says. That's one of his favorite things to say. Is it's a process, and I completely agree with that. If it was a if it was an avenue to get rich quick, everybody would do it. it and you know what I mean. And and ninety five percent of people that do it fail and they give up. If if it was that easy as everyone makes it out to be, then or some select people make it out to be, then every single person would do it. Yeah, I always wondered during the COVID market, how did that statistic uh, change in that period of time? I feel like it definitely went to uh, a more people inflated. successful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or there's yeah. just more people being more flashy, and then that made it seem like it was more people were being more successful. Because there's still a bunch of people who don't even comment in Discords or Twitter that are trading, right? There's millions yeah. of yeah. yeah, very I interesting. It, I think it's some of the best traders and some of the people that I've met that know the most have the least amount of Twitter following, and it's some of that stuff gets skewed. And I don't know. I could talk about that another time. Yeah, no, someone I, I can that. talk about about that is is Tim O'Connell. I don't know if you guys yeah, follow I just him. Followed right? him when he opened his. Yeah, yeah. he only keeps it private. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I started to follow him when he had like a few thousand followers, if that, um, because he had it open and I just followed him and then he closed it like the next day. And I found out I got in one of those little windows, but he had no followers. Like he had like a couple thousand followers, um, which I mean is, is quite a few followers, but like not for the Finch, but we have like Zach Morris with 400,000, but he's been one of the most valuable guys to me. I DM him and he just like, I would have never thought, but like this guy that that isn't a Zach Morris, isn't a PJ Matlock with like hundreds of thousands of followers, but he knows so much that uh, he doesn't talk a lot, but he he knows tons behind the scene. Yeah, that's yeah. There's some deadly underrated people on Twitter. If you can find them, um, you'll sure, know yeah. exactly who they are. Yeah, shout out to shout out to like Puff, Mister Robot, Jeff, Howie, a bunch of people. I Hell yeah, that I know all them. Singles and doubles. You singles guys know and him. Doubles, Nate Davis, I know singles and doubles. Yeah. Yep. So I really like people. those uh psychology accounts, not just like alerts. That's one way to grow. Ace your is account. really good. Like you'll notice that's the reason they are um underrated. They don't do alerts, like making sales yeah. too. They're yeah. gold mines of knowledge, but since they don't do the alerts, no one's like shouting them out with their team, right? Yeah. Everyone wants like the quick money maker scalp or the quick money maker swing, but they don't want like the building blocks to become a better trader, which is psychology, um, philosophy of trading, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I know Hannibal, Ignatius, Milo, that they're, they're geniuses and they don't post on Twitter. Like Yeah, Ignatius with those options, man. Like I talk to Milo scalping. Yeah, I talk to my buddy Milo every day, and he is an absolute genius. He doesn't post on Twitter. I mean, he has a Twitter. He just doesn't post. It's like a lot of these people that don't post or either have very small followings. They, to me, they know, they know a lot more than some people that have hundreds and thousands of followers. So, and that's not yeah. me throwing shade to anybody. It's just that's how I feel, and it is what yeah, it is. But, uh, the last question I have for you, and it's it's kind of. Uh, 
it's a not so serious, but it kind of is at the same time. What do you, what is, in your opinion, is the worst thing about Fintwit overall? Um, just a, overall, it's generally what the problem is with social media is it highlights a certain aspect someone wants to uh, show the world, right? Uh, it doesn't show the bad side. Like, I don't know, for a lot of the uh, gurus out there, um, and I say it respectfully, right? I'm not saying gurus, gurus. I respect them all, um, but they don't share the struggles of trading. They're just sharing like the profits and uh, whatever they want to highlight. Yeah, I um, I can get into this pretty deep, which I won't. But I have a lot of issues with social media in general because of that. Like Instagram in particular, um, I think is really bad because. I know people who will go on a trip and then keep photos from that to post like random times in the year. So everyone thinks they're on a trip like five times a year when really they went one time a year ago. Um, that's just like one example, but that's, that's exactly the same exact thing for Twitter. Like you can post 50 things that went well in your life, but if you're not posting, um, the days where you don't want to wake up and trade or the days where you have a horrible day trading and it just ruins the rest of your week, um, or something like that. Like that's the realities of trading. There's, there's been times when I was a beginner trader that I would have one bad day and it would like ruin two weeks of trading for me. Like I, I just like didn't have the mindset, right. Or it would make me not want to wake up the next day and trade. So then I'd sleep in and like not actually trade. And then I wouldn't trade the next day either because sleeping in was nice. Like those are the realities of trading. That's, that's the real part. Um, and like, there's a lot of losses that I think people don't own up for, um, on Fintwit. Um, no names I, in particular. I wish Fintwit, um, I wish that like whenever someone made a call, they hold themselves liable for that call. They always have to update it. You'll notice that they will just update the ones that win. Yeah, I always yeah. notice too that like, how are these guys in so many tickets? <laughs> like yeah. they're always they're mm-hmm. always behind the ones that are running. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of problems I don't want to get into. I want to keep it positive, but yeah. um, that's one of the things I do on my on my Twitter is every single thing that I post publicly on Twitter. If one of them loses, I do a loss reflection for it, and it's literally in my my trading rules. So like my trading rules are like the laws that I abide by in life. Like I don't break them, except I mean I break them like once every few months, but. Like I, I force myself to post like a trade and people love that. People DM me and are like, that's so like, I, I really appreciate that. You're one of the guys I know I can trust because you post that. So I don't know why more people wouldn't post like when they lose or when they post something and then it goes down, like, oh, it went down. I'm sorry, everyone. Like you don't have to do anything crazy, yeah. but like just own up for it. And the stalker Ryan or scalper Ryan is his at, um, is a good buddy of mine who journals his trades every night. And he's always honest. Like, he's like, I had a super bad day today. He's journaling everything for everyone to see, right? He's setting an, he's setting an example. And I really respect that about him. Yeah, I that's awesome. more people did that. The, the ones that you, you can spot the people that are actually doing it when they're claiming that everything they call is, or they're 100% on all, all everything they call. And it, that is not reality. We talked about this last time. It's like, if you're hitting 60%, that's good. If you're minimizing that 40% that you're losing, and 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 you're letting your winners run on that sixty percent. That's great. Like it's comparable yeah. to baseball. If you're hitting th- hitting the ball three out of ten times, getting on base, that's great. So I don't know. Teddy and I talked about this before you hopped on. It's like we 
you have to put in a ton of work when you don't have a huge following because like we have to be right we can't just call shit out and then it's gonna move because we have hundreds of thousands of followers like you know what I like we have you have to put actual work in and you have to actually know what you're talking about um and I like I like what Teddy said a minute ago about like having those red days that really beat you down and like some days you like you wake up and you stay in bed and I, I've been there it's almost just like you're a little fearful of turning on that monitor right because you're like you know I just took a hit you, you're, you're scared right and yeah. every time I've been through that situation and, and every time someone DMs me about them being through that situation, I know exactly what they're talking about, but I always tell them, you know, stay headstrong, right? Every loss is a test to your mental strength. So can you, so if you could habitually, or uh, if you can get in the habit of, you know, just staying like emotionless, no matter yeah. how like hard it is, you're actually doing yourself a huge favor in the long run. Um, but it is super hard to some days. Yeah, I had. Mental. Yeah, yeah, I had um someone someone from my my DM group um DM me because we took a bad loss a couple weeks ago on FBRX um DM me and say hey man this got this has me really down um like I really like don't feel like trading for like the rest of the week and I don't know if I want to like come back the next week, I might need a few weeks. And I literally like, I responded and I was like, good, that's, that's the feeling that you should have as a beginner trader. That means you're going through something that's going to make you better when you uh, take the lesson at the end of that, take a day off, take a few days off if you need it, but also keep your head in the game. Like, like you said, where they said, like, keep, keep head strong, keep um, like, keep in, in kind of focus on why you're here, what you're doing, and then you're going to come out of it and you're going to have a lesson on the other side. You're going to have a lesson of, okay, so like this is why the trade technically went wrong. This is the mindset I had afterwards. And how can I avoid that technical uh, side of things? And how can I avoid the mindset? Because, because that mindset that I had afterwards was not good. I didn't, I don't need to take a few days off every single time. I need to take a few hours off. Um, and that, that should, I should be able to align my mindset back up to where it needs to be after a few hours rather than a few days. So there's always going to be lessons, but um, you need to go through those things. Like it's good to go through the bad days. It's good to go through those horrible losses. It's good to go through those weeks where you literally cannot trade because you're so scared you're going to lose more money. Um, it's it's good to go through that kind of stuff. So don't be fearful of it. Wade through it. Um, and once you wade through it, you're going to come out the other side just just absolutely way stronger as you, a trader. You have to be accountable too. Like if you're pointing fingers at everybody else but yourself as to why you're not profitable or why you're making mistakes it's time to find something else because you have to be accountable. Like Teddy mentioned, he's always accountable if he calls something or, and it doesn't pan out how he expects. He's never, everything he puts out is with the best intent to help his following and anybody else that like his, his sub fund and everybody else. Same with me. Like I'll always say, if I call something and it's wrong, it's wrong. Like I'm not going to be a hundred percent. No, no person is going to be a hundred percent on everything they call. And, and, it really does start with you. Like you have to be accountable, and if you if you can't be accountable, then this yeah. might not be for you. So as a primarily uh, as I'm primarily a day trader, what I like to do, especially when I get into a situation of just taking uh, a tough loss, is I actually like to force myself to sit there and not revenge trade. Just make it a huge test, right? Like as hard as it may be, uh, or like as much as I just want to walk away because I know I hit my daily. Um, uh, you know, like limit uh, on the amount of money I can lose. I like to actually sit there 
and, you know, test myself. Can I actually not revenge trade and maybe even find a trade that will help me recoup some of the losses? So I, I recommend that test. if you're ever in that situation, definitely test yourself, right? Because I don't know if anyone here has seen that marshmallow test, but it's like that that's one of those things where like they, they put the marshmallows in front of the kids and they would say like, don't eat the marshmallow. And if I come back and you haven't eaten it, I'll give you another one. And then you can eat both of them. And like the kids who sat there, saw the marshmallow and didn't eat it um, turned out 30 years later when they came back on the assignment to be like 80% more likely to be successful. If you can sit there with the, the trades in front of you and wait for the best possible thing, which is getting another marshmallow to eat, then you're likely to be way more successful. So if you can sit there, just like you said, and be, um, and just be disciplined and wait it out and then find the best possible one or not even take any at all, then what are you going to be? You're going to be way more successful than the guy who has the FOMO and has like that, like mentality of it's in front of me. I'm just going to like do that. Then, then you're going to, you're going to lose way more often. Yeah. And one thing too, on this topic is Trogdor, an old buddy of mine. Um, he said, uh, and something givey, and mentioned today as yeah. well as emphasized today is treat yourself on red days um, or, or donate that. the most amount of money you donate on red days and just completely detach, you know, um, your emotions from it. Just go blow more money, right? <laughs> um, just uh, remove those emotions from the, the monetary um, change in your account. And uh, for me, that helps too um, to do that. That's exactly what I do. I go buy, I go buy a nicer bottle of wine and like a, a better <laughs> yeah. pizza or whatever I want to do. Like on the, better on pizza. the red days. Come hey, shut up. I got lots of matzah <laughs> a few days ago, dude. Frozen pizza, baby. It was like, it was like $10 instead of the normal Jack's pizzas I get, which are like three bucks. Well, shout out to Gibby, but Gibby thinks she'd beat me in golf and Gibby's <laughs> Gibby. You have no shot. I'm sorry. But she would. Have... I, I saw Ant golf and he missed the ball 25 you times. never before. met me. <laughs> all right all right so i kind of want to talk to you a little bit um about your transition to options and and primarily what i want to hear from you is basically what caused the transition and then how it's going like are you enjoying it do you think it's better um and just basically your your mindset behind that transition yeah so um i transitioned to large caps about a month ago and this actually came from uh, kind of a result. Uh, it kind of was just a timing thing of from when I uh, got back to everything after leaving. Um, when I got back, I was in a different state of mind. I was in a different environment. And um, because I was in a different environment, I had met um, new people or I spoke to people I didn't speak uh, to on the regular with before. And then I um, was invited to this Discord who had an amazing um, amazing options room. It's GMT Discord, uh, Global Money Traders, shout out all of them. Um, I don't know, I kind of just, it was similar to Atlas, right place, right time. The people who were in there were more um, than happy to help with all my options questions. It was something I always wanted to look into, but to be honest, the Greeks were super, super intimidating. And I found a way through one of them logic to not use the Greeks when day trading options. Uh, it's, I simply just use uh, volume and open interest. Um, it's a 
bit more complex than that, but you know, if you were to strip everything down, it's kind of just as simple as that at the same time as well. Um, yeah. But reason why I like, yeah, I mean, just my environment, my social media environment, if you consider Discord social media, kind of just shifted me to that area of large caps instead of small caps. Um, so it wasn't something um, that I was like, oh, you know, screw small caps. Uh, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't making money in small caps. It wasn't that I didn't like small caps. I was just like, all right, this is an opportunity I, um, that I've been wanting to uh, um, do all. I'm sorry. It was like a, a chance to do something I've always wanted to do. So I kind of just jumped into it. And then I realized how much I liked it. And um, I'm here today of full, uh, fully just a um, options trader, large cap options trader. Yeah. So um, do you want to talk about that hiatus? Like, like what caused it um, and what you learned from it and just kind of the, the things you took away and, and where you're different coming back from after that, that social media hiatus? Yeah. Um, the reason why I left is because, um, well, everyone knows, you know, my fallout from Atlas. Um, being on that Momo floor with all that attention from thousands of people every day, right? Um, hundreds of DMs uh, and then having that, you know, social media presence on Twitter, um, it kind of just all got to my head. I really wasn't used to all that attention. I realized, uh, you know, my ego kind of got the best of me. Um, the money I was making kind of got the best of me. Um, so I, I became someone I wasn't really too proud of. Um, so I, I really um, needed that fallout in Atlas. There was something I kind of always wanted to do. I always knew I was kind of in a bad state of mind. Um, I always wanted to not leave Atlas because I didn't like them, but just for myself, right? I didn't want to be in that bad state of mind. But at the end of the day, all this stuff is addicting. When I had all that attention, it was very addicting um, to wake up to. And um, that push um, out of Atlas was kind of like um, uh, a very good thing for me. It was something I was never able to do on my own. And um, when I finally got you know pushed out of it, I was able to uh, actually take advantage of that situation and uh, fully just you know walk away from it. And then. Um, I, like, just similar to you, I've never been a huge fan of social media. I don't like how addicting it could be. I don't like um, what it does to some people. Like, uh, you know, all my friends have social media. I've been that one guy who never really had social media. Um, I just think it's really bad for your mind. So that's why, you know, it took me a while to get on Twitter. I, I was one of the late ones to get on Twitter, but eventually did because that's where plays started to be called, right? There's a lot to gain from Twitter. Um, there's a lot of disadvantages and advantages, but overall at the time, I thought there was a lot of advantages and that's why I created a Twitter and participated in it. Um, but I definitely needed uh, some time on, uh, to travel, some time to be with myself, uh, within my own mind, away from all that. And that really helped me um, get a better sense of what's really important. Like none of this is. Uh, I know sometimes we can be so stuck in our heads on, you know, our little world is the only world that's out there. There's so much more important things outside of our little world. And, uh, I needed to go on that hiatus to figure that out. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome, man. Like <laughs> that, that comes down to kind of something I like to talk about a lot is we're just little tiny animals on a floating rock in an infinite space. That is 
um, I don't know how many millions, billions of miles across and stuff. So, so sometimes, um, your social media is not important. Uh, your Instagram posts, like they don't matter. Um, your bad day really doesn't matter. Like you're, you're on a little rock floating in space. Once you kind of just realize that, then the bad days become less bad. Um, and, and I think that's awesome that you recognize that things were getting to your head. Um, I had a similar situation uh, back on Twitter when I, I hit 10,000 followers. I had about a week where I noticed myself wanting to talk about it a lot to people in my life. And I had to kind of just reflect on it and be like, um, is this something I want to just like, like bring up all the time? Like, I don't think so. I don't think this is something I need to bring up. I don't think I need to bring up the money I'm making to people. Like, like that's, that's for show. That's for um, bragging. That's, that's that kind of stuff. And I just, I didn't want to be that kind of person. So I kind of took a week of reflection, did a lot of writing, um, about it in my kind of to just like put my thoughts somewhere. And I came to the same conclusion as you, it doesn't matter. It's not something that I need to do. Um, so yeah, I really, I really respect that. Um, yeah, you know, further into that, I really respect, you know, Hugh, um, I think is the picture perfect example. Hugh Henny is the picture perfect example of that. Like super young kid has all this attention, has all this money, but he's still a very humble man. Right. Yeah. Uh, I respect how he could do that. I definitely, you know, didn't have near as large as a, an account as him or the following as him. So it's, it's truly cool to see how uh, well he's managed all that. I'm still yeah. I'm still blocked and I've never said a word to him. So <laughs> yeah, yeah laid, laid back did that to one of my accounts. So I was like, I didn't even like I didn't I've never even posted in that account. Uh, yeah, I've honestly never <laughs> said a word to him ever in my life. And I don't I think it's because of the Discord I was a part of probably oh, months oh, ago. Oh yeah, I remember they were doing that. Yeah. That's all right. They probably mass banned everyone, but you know what probably. it is? I mean sure you can probably get back. Yeah. That's all right. So, so Rodessa, um, what would kind of a normal, a normal trading or a normal trade, I guess, um, I was going to say trading day, but what would a normal trade for you kind of look like? Can you just go over that in the, the options realm? And then also just kind of, um, what you look for when you're looking at setup. So if you're looking at your, your options, do you have a list of option or of, uh, like large caps you're looking at and you look for certain patterns, you prefer certain patterns, you prefer certain volume profiles, that kind of stuff. We just kind of want to get some insight into your, what causes you to pull the trigger on buy, what causes you to not pull the trigger, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I guess I could speak to small caps and or large caps, whatever you prefer. You can do both, man. Yeah. So I don't know for small caps um, or for any trade, really, I guess I can kind of just, um, speak to them both at the same time. What I look for are very low risk entries. Uh, and what I mean by that to give that context is I look for like um, like the ranges I was talking about. So I look like for consolidation periods and you'll notice on a lot of charts, that's not always something that's presented. Um, so I, I think the number one thing for me when I look for an entry is it has to be within like a 15, the technical level of, of like where the stock would change trend has to be within like a 15% threshold because my max loss on a trade is going to be 15%. Obviously that varies between um, the confidence I have on the trade. Um, but for the most part, I like to look for charts with technical levels where a higher low might be 
in range of the low by like 15%. So I'll like scale into there. Or if it's like a double bottom, you know, you know, immediately flip that. It doesn't even, that's not even a 15% stop loss, right? That's just, if it breaks the low of that double bottom, um, it could make a, a lower low then go spike right back up. But my thesis going into that trade is if it breaks this low, I need to get out, right? Because uh, it's no longer double bottom. It's no longer according to plan. It could go down and then just go back up. We see that more often than not, right? We see, I think we see lower lows um, more often than we see double bottoms. But for the most part, I do look for um, uh, areas on a chart where the technical level is at least um, or at most 15%. Um, okay. But um, in going into options, I guess, more specifically, because that's now what I focus on. Uh, I have a list of about like 20 or so tickers that I like to trade based off of the personality. And also, more importantly, based off of their intraday spread. I noticed that for large caps, a lot of them will have intraday spreads that are like 50 cents on most of the options. Um, or they'll be ridiculous and you just can't trade it. Um, I know a lot of people have a strategy built around being able to trade the spread. But for me, what I like to look for is when the option contract mimics the underlying, you'll see that a lot in like in the money options. So I like yeah. to trade that because it's almost essentially basing the technicals off of the, um, the underlying, right? So you can base it off of the 15% uh, stop loss, like I was speaking on earlier. Whereas if you get more out of the money options, right, you could have dramatic price swings that don't really obey technicals that well. Um, but that's pretty much what I trade. Like I said, it's mainly spread. And then I pick my favorites out of those. And how I pick my favorites is uh, I will review that chart, like the back of my hand, so one thing um, that I recommend everyone do to get a sense of ticker personality is to pull up one ticker, for example, just to say Apple, AAPL, and look at every single time frame of it. Um, like start from the daily, start to understand the technicals of the daily, right? Look for everything you know, resistance breaks, double top breaks, trend line breaks, uh, consolidated bottoms, consolidated tops for a short. Right, and look at every area of where it started to break out or where it break, uh, broke down, and then go to the four hour, do the exact same thing. You'll notice since the daily and the four hour are higher timeframes, you're probably gonna be seeing the same things, but you wanna go ahead and just clear the chart and do the same thing over. Then go to the hourly timeframe, and then go to the, um, I, I, I go from hourly to 10 minute, I don't use the 30 minute or the 15, but I go to the 10 minute, um, go as far back as you can and just see how it moves intraday. What does it do at, at open? What does it do at close? What does it do in the middle of the day? Does it have a lot of trend line breaks that work out successfully, right? Does it do a lo lot of double bottoms? How well is it following triple Q, right? Um, things like that is what I like to, uh, to look for. And then uh, I'll base a trade around that. For example, if I'm studying Apple and I noticed yesterday it did a beautiful trend line break I'm like, okay, Apple, it proved that it could do a great trend line break yesterday. If I see a trend line break today, I'm gonna have a bit more confidence in trading that trend line break um, than something that might've not had a trend line break the day before. Okay. I don't know if that answers your question or if I straight No, that out. answers it perfectly, actually. Like that's that's exactly what I was I was looking for from you. Um, and then just, just like quickly, uh, what kind of, 
psychological components of trading are the most important to you? So some people, um, when asked this question, will cite like uh, group think of, of the, the certain indicators. Some will talk about uh, resisting FOMO. Some will talk about um, like only trading things that you're extremely confident in with your gut feeling, which, which stems from psychology. So what kind of psychological components of trading do you, do you rank as the highest for you? May I ask what yours is? Um, mine is discipline. So, so I think, I think confidence in trading comes from, um, continually following your own rules and staying disciplined with your plan. So for me, it's, it's having my plan and my rules written down and following that, because in my own mind, the more times I follow that, the more times I will, um, prove to myself that I can do it and my confidence in my own trades, my confidence in my daily, um, my daily life even will, will, will jump from that, but mostly trading because if I trade something, um, just according to my plan, then the next time that that, that exact same thing arises, I'm going to be just a little bit more confident. And then if I do that 20 times, even more confident, 20 times, even more confident. So yeah, it's discipline and just staying, um, staying true to my plan. Yeah, I like that. So I would definitely have to agree with discipline. If you ever look at my Twitter, the common theme you'll see is discipline and patience. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, If you do have a very clear uh, cut trading system, um, there is no reason why you should trade anything that is outside of that. I don't care if you have a hunch. I don't care uh, whatever the reason may be. If you have a set of patterns and a set system you like to trade, you should only trade that. And what gives me confidence in being disciplined and being patient is that I know from the two and two years and like one month I've had in the market is that your next opportunity could be 10 minutes away. Your next opportunity could be an hour away. Your next opportunity could be uh, the next morning. But wherever it may be, it's always going to be there. And if you just wait for those setups and those setups only that align with your trading system, you can go heavy size and you just need to trade that. And that's yeah. why like every day I struggle with uh, FOMO, not in the sense of like seeing the chart go up, but seeing everyone in a discord that I'm in making multiple trades, right? They're just scalping, scalping, scalping. And I haven't made a single trade. I look at them, they're like 40% here, 50% there. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's cool. But I need to realize, although they're making money right now, I might not have, and there might not be a chart out there that aligns with my system. And I just need to wait. And I know that if I wait and I'm just patient and just understand that the setup that I like is going to come, then I can just wait for that. I think a lot of people, you know, fall into phone. I, I think FOMO is often mentioned in a variety of different ways, but I think it comes down to, um, um, you know, just having, I don't know where I was going with that, but definitely just be disciplined. If you have a system of setups you like, just wait for those. They will come. They'll show up. They always do. They always do the moment after you take the wrong trade, the the setup you need shows up. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. If you take these bad trades, it's going to get to your mental, right? you're going to become less confident. So you might size up less 
And then due to the fact that you sized up less, you're not going to make more money to recoup the losses on your previous trade. You might recoup some, or you might trade that very poorly, right? You're very low on confidence, so you might sell too soon. Or you might flip to that one-minute chart and start to trade with emotions, right? Trade every tick. And then maybe you stop out on something that just goes and breaks out. Um, there's a lot of uh, negatives to um, to trading stuff that doesn't align with your system. And yeah. that's, I got to shout out, uh, singles and doubles and making sales. Those guys are the best guys um, for trading psychology tips. Yeah, people get so caught up in too, like, oh, I have to trade all the time. I have, I have money to spend i need to use it it's just as you get more experience you see that like you said about having a plan if it doesn't fit your plan you're not going to trade it there's people that just want to trade non-stop all day every day and then that's when they run into trouble because they're over trading they're taking setups they're not familiar with and they're trying to force stuff um a lot of the times making no trade is the best trade you can make so yeah and it's, it's definitely easier said than done but if you just have a week of just straight discipline you will understand what i'm saying and you probably yeah. won't make stupid decisions anymore. your confidence will go up like a hundred times if you can mm -hmm. you can have a week full of just making discipline trades and then realizing when when the time to be done for that week is and realizing you made all your plan or all your trades according to plan i just realized that this kind of looks like a palm tree yeah, I saw that earlier. <laughs> the money tree. It kind of looks like a palm tree. This might cut off. I, I, I need to get one. I don't have yeah. any where I'm from. All right. Now we get to move into everybody's favorite segment, bullish versus bullshit. And I have to say that slow because I'll mess it up if I don't. Try to say it fast. I want to hear I, it. No. I will. Bullish versus bullshit. No, I'll mess it up. <laughs> bullish versus bullshit. Uh, so, Rodessa, what are your thoughts on CEI? at the current price are you bullish uh or do you think it's kind of bullshit at this point in time um i think if you're in when zach morris gave the alert you are up quite a substantial amount and um it's good to lock in profits i know he wants to go for that big price target of five but one thing that's definitely looming around is a um offering if i'm not mistaken um don't say that so you'll get attacked. i think everyone or the majority of the people are over 100 percent on it if i was over 100 percent, i would lock my profits in and go find something else i can get 100 percent in um but zach is a monster he knows how to hold <laughs> he knows how to hold through very big dips it's one of the reasons why he's where he's at today um but my personality i can't do that i look at the cei chart as well and i notice that it spikes up a lot and then it spikes back down only to go back up so if i were to trade that i would go more for that angle get in on a really good dip and and catch out when it pops um but if you want to hold the line you definitely have an entire army of fintwit um, people that are holding the line with you um but definitely know that it's not your money until you you know click the sell button yeah so CEI for me, exactly like you were saying about how um, it pops and drops. That's one of the main things that, that we look for um, when scalping is if something pops and then drops on news consistently like four or five times in the past six months, then you know if it has good news that it's shortable because what does it do? It ends the day nearly down um, or up 10% when it's already up 60% after the morning gappers. So you know that you have a ton of room to short 
And CEI is exactly in this same situation. It, it runs a lot, but it doesn't continue those runs. It runs a lot. And I'm looking at the chart right over here. It runs a lot, has one big day, and then just dies um, a brutal death afterwards. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see. Um, I hate to say it for all the CEI holders out there who are going to yell at me on Twitter when I post this video, but <laughs> Um, there might be one more run in it. We might see a run um, to like two twenty-five, two dollars, but I can't get behind it. Um, I said yesterday. So yesterday, I think it opened somewhere around like 170, 175. And I said I wanted to short it down to 150 within the next few days. I never got around to it, but it would have it would have worked out. And I think I think it's shortable from here too, but um, I don't want to say that too loud. So I'm kind of talking quiet so I don't get you know yeah i think uh, for the most part um it's got enough people behind it to hold it up if i were to short it i would definitely be scared simply due to that fact mm -hmm. um, the one thing i'm more concerned of is that looming offering and i like to it's coming stuff off of previous data and the previous data we have right now is to base it off of the aht run which was zach's uh, call prior to that i believe um if you look at it the charts are kind of similar um, I think we could potentially make new recent highs because this is kind of the first dip of its run. But after that, I would definitely be um, a bit more cautious. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I'm definitely not a hold the liner on CI. Um, I was in CI at like 37 cents, I think, a couple weeks ago. So I've been out for I've been out for like a week or two. Um, I do like a small account challenge through Twitter and that was one of my picks with CI and then it got super popular but uh yeah no I'm not gonna purchase something that's up like 400 percent um so I'm calling bullshit but shout out to Ken on Twitter I is one of my buddies that I talked to and he's been saying CI since the beginning of summer um so yeah I'm calling bullshit on CI at the current price yeah I think, like I said, I think we might get one more pop, but um, that pop is not worth me calling bullish. It's not something I go long on, so I call bullshit too. All right. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is what, Rodessa, what are your thoughts on weed at the moment as a sector? If you look at a bunch of the charts like ACB, Tilray, um, they all, a lot of the charts look identical. We saw a, a pretty decent sized run, well, a big run in like February, I think. Um, and a lot of those charts have since settled for months now. Uh, any thoughts about like weed as a sector? Do you think we see a rotation in the weed here anytime soon? I really wanted to give you the best answer I could. I'd quickly DM Brady and ask the sector master for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for his take on it. Uh, but for weed, um, I do think it's going to get another push by end of year. Um, but we also have to remember it could be two years it could be three years it's going with the biden presidency right there's also uh, other timelines that you can put it on as well um like legislative timelines you can put it on um but for the most part something i've never really liked to trade was the weed tickers i think they all kind of have a kind of a funky personality for the most part uh, i at least never traded them all too well unless it was off of news that i saw very early and i just slapped it on um so I kind of have a bit of a bias on the weed tickers. I'm not a huge fan of that sector overall. It's very short-lived is the runs recent, like any of the recent runs, very short-lived. But 
But if they continue, then it's it's like boner nation. Um, I have a tinfoil theory on this one. I need my tinfoil hat, but um, I think weed is going to get a push from psychedelics by the end of the year. And I think psychedelics are going to have a really good push. So I brought out my golden bull because I think um, weed is bullish. But I think, um, so CMPS, the, the leading psychedelic uh, kind of psilocybin mushroom bio company has their data coming by end of 2021. And this is about as big as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Yeah, about as big as it gets. That's all I need to say. I was going to call some said. technical term that I had, but <laughs> that's what she said. But it's about as big as it gets for uh, for for psychedelics. And I think weed will get a push from psychedelics because they're kind of similar as in weed came on the scene before psychedelics, but they're both kind of something that was, was um, really looked down upon from society. And then it came into a, a different lens from society at the same exact time, came into legalization, blah, 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 whatever you want to do it. But I think they're in the same kind of, they're like a secondary runner of each other, I think. And so I think psilocybin um, and psychedelics are going to run big if CMPS passes, which I think CMPS will pass this phase 2B data, um, which is due by the end of 2021. And I think weed will uh, will get a run too. So that's what I have to say. I think, I don't want to say it'll run big off of it, but I think it will get a pop enough to reverse these downtrends that Tilray, ACB, um, some of those other names have. So bullish. Yeah, so while working with Brady, I realized that I really, really admired what he could do. But I also quickly realized that it does not fall under my personality type. So if I am to get into a a bit how I swing um, small caps is I have no idea how to time it like he does, even working underneath him. Um, so what I like to do is I actually like to wait for um, things to pop. Uh, like, it's not even something I'm watching. Like, if you just pull up something that ran today, um, which this will be posted later, which it's Wednesday the 22nd. Um, let's see. The top gainer on the small caps looks to be Emron. Uh, yeah. Yeah at uh, 61% on the day. What I will look for is the secondary bounce. One thing that's certain on almost all of these is that they do bounce. So I'm watching those big runners very closely and I can get a very big move if I can time it correctly, uh, which actually isn't the hardest thing to do. The biggest tips I can give on that is definitely look at volume, low volume sell-offs, look at you know the technicals, look at the candles, look at them go from being big red candles to getting smaller and smaller. And then another key tip is looking at the previous high day breaks. You'll notice on a lot of tickers that run up, um, when they do peak, what signals the next run is a previous high day break. You'll notice that for the downfall of it, it's just a downtrend because the previous high day did not break of that, of the candle before. Right. Um, so look for the previous high day break, and that could also that's not like immediate entry signal. You want to make sure you got low volume on it. You want to make sure it's at a good you know support level. But that is yeah. definitely something that always turns my head. If there's a previous high day break and it didn't shoot up immediately on that, turn your head because that's when it's going to start to reverse. It took a lot for it to get those smaller candles to get the selling pressure off. Right, you're at a point of where shorts are covering, and um, 
that's my tips. That's how I swing trade. I'm a short-term swing trader for small caps um, when I do trade them. And that's how I found consistency. I never really found consistency trying to predict the next trend as well as Brady has. Um, so I look for like that backside of the move play for the secondary bounce that's not an, um, guaranteed to happen, but definitely has a very high probability of happening. You'll see that a lot of the tickers you previously traded a week ago or two weeks ago will pop up on the scanners again. And I'm someone who gets in before those pop up. Yeah. Uh, for me, weed is, I think, uh, I think we do see a rotation soon. I'm pretty bullish, just depending on how the overall market holds up. But uh, I've seen way too many times of forgotten sectors uh, see a big-time rotation. Like, I don't, not many people are really talking about weed, so that's kind of my signal of, okay, maybe it's time to get in. Yeah, um, so I had a little bias earlier. So I, being a short-term swing trader, if you're a mid-term swing trader, they're definitely very, very cheap right now. Yeah, I, I they're super cheap, yeah. Off. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad spot at all. Um, like one, I just found a ticker that I was I was thinking about when you were talking, um, Rodesa, is ATER, A-T-E-R. Um, if you go look at that chart, it, it basically mirrors exactly what he was saying about the big pop and then um, exactly. kind of a yep. consolidation. And then... You see on that that red day, that how the candle on uh, 9-16? Yep. It was a red candle. And it was a very small red candle. But more importantly, look at the volume on that. Very, very low volume, yeah. right? Yeah. And the next day, what did you get? You got a previous high day break. So that's a great example. Yeah, exactly. And then you see it reverse fully, and it just that uh, that volume is still increasing. So yeah, it's really nice. Um, we wanted to kind of we do this this section where we do Q and A, and we allow kind of fans or people who've listened to our podcast religiously to give us one serious question and give us one fun question. So the serious question is, Rodessa, how do you get motivated on days where you feel lazy or you just feel like not trading or you feel like not getting up in the morning? How do you motivate yourself on those mornings? Um, it's a good question. So I'm in a position right now where I'm choosing to do the market over getting a steady job, right? Because it's senior year of college. So I need to get X amount of money in X amount of time, which for me, I'm basing it off of like a leap year. A lot of people take leap years before they go into their job after they finish college. Um, so it's not going to set me back if I don't make it, right? Um, or if I don't make it to the amount of money I want to get. Um, so that kind of motivates me every day, right? I need to wake up. I need to um, work on getting to that monetary goal yeah, that yeah. i have set for myself uh for other people though who may not be in that situation who are looking for motivation um i don't know i guess i would say you know you don't ever want to stay in the same spot and you got to get up and you know try to do something in order to get out of that spot yeah exactly like getting up is is the the win in itself if you can on a day where you feel like not getting up um, end up getting up then that's the win you don't have to do a whole lot if you just do something then it's something so might as well yeah just set yeah set goals right and yeah. if you can't achieve them then you should theoretically be getting mad at yourself for not achieving those right yeah definitely set goals and that'll help you uh, keep yourself on pace 
And do you got anything? You do anything in the morning when you don't feel like feel like getting up? Um, I think I told you this before today, but there's I have this thing from my mom that she sent me because my mom lives pretty far away from me. She's about eighteen hours away from my where I am, and her and my little brother are far away, and I don't really have that much family. It's just basically her, and then I have two other brothers. Um, but. It just, she sent me something that just says like about working hard and some other stuff. I don't know. It's, but it's important to me and like I, it's on my desk. So I see that every day. Um, and probably like proving people wrong too is a big motivator for me. Um, cause I know I have friends that have said to me like, well, that's not a career or like somebody in my family has said well that's not a career or you need a degree to do anything and well while that may be the case or was the case you technically don't need a degree and and I think that kind of motivates me a lot is just like proving people wrong like this is I can do this and I have been doing this and it's something I can do long term so yeah no I th- I think the same thing like for me one of the things I I think i guess i avoid the most is telling people what i do for a living because people when they hear this the look on their face is just something something similar to like or like just like a look of like okay like whatever like i remember i was i was looking at an apartment um downtown and the the guy who was showing me the apartment was like so what do you guys do for a living and my girlfriend told him what she did and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, I, he was like, what about you? And I was like, here we go again. I trade stocks. And he looked at me and he's like, I'm a financial advisor. Are you like some like Robin Hood little guy? And oh, I was, dude. I didn't know exactly where you're coming from. I always just answer I'm in finance. <laughs> I know. I from, way to since, get out Yeah. Since then, I just say like something random. Like, I'll be like, yeah, like I like I, I manage money or like. I like analyze companies, that kind of thing, because yeah. that guy made me feel like, and I was like, he was like, yeah, are you like some like little Robin hood guy? And I looked at him, I was like, yeah, pretty much actually. Like I don't trade on Robin hood, <laughs> but I'm one of those little guys who yeah. the retailer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, something I also want to add too, is like, I noticed at least for myself, sometimes uh, it, I even by setting goals or doing this or doing that, sometimes I just can't get myself to be motivated. And that's where it's like building those habits of discipline come in, right? You just got to keep building that habit, right? The second you stop doing something, you, you're just hurting yourself. But another thing that came to mind when um, Anthony or aunt brought it up, um, his mother was like, think of like anyone that's close to you, like a huge motivation for me is like my family, right? Um, definitely my girlfriend, so think of stuff outside of that just anything that could get you going right yeah yeah i think i think something else to touch on is anyone who who has those kind of self-confidence issues or the confidence um isn't where you want it to be and you struggle to get up in the morning due to that is go back to that discipline thing we talked about discipline um it will prove to yourself that you are who you want you to be or who you want yourself to be. Um, and if you can continually prove to yourself that I can do this, um, I'm who I want, 
to be. I am someone who's good in this world because I'm doing all these things. I'm, I'm disciplined. I'm sticking to the plan. I'm sticking to what I think is right on the day. But if you constantly fail, you fail for, or fail um, to what you want to do, then you're going to kind of get this, this image in your head of I'm not quite there. I'm not um, where I need to be. I'm not who I want to be. And that's where those self-confidence issues come from, for myself, at least. So if I can just continually prove myself um, to myself, because that's that's the biggest thing is just prove yourself uh, to the person who matters most to your life, which is you. Uh, you'll, you'll find yourself having less of those days where you don't feel like you can get out of bed or less of those days where you're doubting yourself. Um, but moving on to a lighter topic, we have the fun question of the day, um, which is is kind of i guess we've talked about this a little bit before me and Anne, but we'll get your opinion on it and before i say anything you cannot say um your asshole as an answer that's just that's just the preliminary it's probably like so, what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> so you have 10 minutes to hide a pen anywhere in your house but the catch is a detective is going to come and have 24 hours to search your house and if they find it, you get nothing. And if they don't find it, you get a million dollars. So 10 minutes somewhere in your house, where are you hiding it? And is there like a right answer to this? Is like a There's riddle? absolutely no right so. answer. We're, uh, just, we're, just, um, we're just kicking the shit. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm just looking around my room, looking at, I guess, something where I'd hide it in. Um, dang, that's tough, dude. Dude, I'd I probably bury it underground in my backyard if that counts. Oh, does that? Count? I think that 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 would work. That would work. I just like, for that metal pond? detector. What if it's not? There's uh, no metal in it. If there, let's say there is, that would be tough then. I said, okay, so this. Hear me out. So, the back of your computer. I think that's the perfect place to hide it. It's not a metal detector. They're not going to go off. Are they going to want to unscrew it? Maybe, but then you hide it in like inside something in the back of your computer. How are they going to find that? Ah, uh, dude. If your butt was... 24 a... hours to look for... You can turn a house upside down, though. So in something would definitely be the answer. Not like a plain... Like hide it in plain sight. Sometimes yeah. that's the answer. But, uh, Unless you're like so good at like... Oh, like... I know. I know. What so I have mean? a high ceiling fan. And most people's ceilings are pretty high. I had uh, hide it like on the top of the fan, I tape it to the top of it. Cause no that's one's not a bad idea. There. Yeah. No one's going to check up there. That's a pretty good idea. Like, Oh yeah. You could, you could totally hide it in plain sight and they would never suspect. Like I'm just looking around, but like you could paint it the color of your wall and like put it in a corner or something, but like, okay, you got 10 minutes. Maybe I'm going a little too far with that. You could, like, <laughs> do it where you like, <laughs> where you like cut open the part in a book and like put it in there. But I don't think you got time for that. <laughs> or no just way. like you know how like some brooms are hollow and you have like the ability to open the top. Yeah, the screw off. You could mm -hmm. do that. Maybe that. Maybe I'd put it in one of the like one of the guns I have. Maybe I'd put yeah. it in like the barrel. Because no one's gonna yeah. look in the end of the barrel. What are they? Yeah, gonna... no one just looks. <laughs> hey, True. what's in here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, man, what is in this gun right here? But if I, I could, I, put... I think I like that answer the most. <laughs> that's probably a good one yeah that's probably what i do since i told teddy i'd put it in my butt but he said i can't do that so <laughs> i declined that answer that is that is the only wrong answer no, this is inside no, no. your butt don't even teddy said he'd put it in his cat's <laughs> butt <laughs> 
I did say that. My cat is right there too, so I apologize, buddy. I would not put it in my cat's butt. I never said that. It is. Oh um, yeah, I made it up. Yeah, I made that up. There's not a recording somewhere of that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it is conspiracy time. We always talk about a conspiracy. Um, before we've talked about social media. We've talked about um, is big bio trying to uh, make us have diseases rather than take them away, that kind of stuff. But this time we have one that I think everyone kind of knows about. It is, did Epstein kill himself? Or some people say Epstein didn't kill himself as a conspiracy name. But I'm going to kind of go over just a quick um, overview of it, and then we can get a little deeper, get you guys' opinions on it. So Epstein went into jail, and everyone, he went into jail for, like, money laundering, plus he has a bunch of, um, like, sexual abuse allegations. And apparently he had, like, an island with, like, famous uh, politicians, actors, that kind of stuff. And he went into jail, and he claimed that he had knowledge on a lot of famous people, and then what happened was is there was like some sort of a death threat towards him. Um, and then he indicated that he wanted to kill himself. So they put him into suicide watch and he was on suicide watch. And the night that he died, there was a camera malfunction at the, uh, the, the cell where he was at, which was the suicide watch um, area where there's supposed to be people checking. There's supposed to be um, someone watching the camera, that kind of thing. So there's a camera malfunction. And the guards did not check on him for 11 hours, according to the log. And then the autopsy afterwards showed strangulation. Um, and so everyone was basically like, there's no way that this guy killed himself because they're claiming that he like hung himself um, from his like bunk or something. Um, but everyone is claiming that he actually got killed by one of the politicians who had um, he had like information on and i don't see why that's not the answer like i think that he definitely got killed by those guards who like got paid off to kill him or something but what do you guys think uh, he uh so that's the very unfortunate thing about the world we live in even if the government said they killed him or like some even if it was like completely proven true that he killed himself no one would care Right. No yeah. one would care. I feel like no one would care if like because who are they going to blame? Right. Um, but I, I definitely think he was murdered um, without a doubt. He had a lot of information on very, very high up people. Yeah. And would have took a very small fraction of the amount of people of the amount of money those people had um, to pay the guards off. Like the information he had on them was not something that would have gone down well in the news if he were to have shared it. I do not think he killed himself. That's my personal opinion. Maybe you can argue that he did because he had threats against him or someone he loved um, if he didn't kill himself. But yeah, I always bring up, so this is kind of sidetracking it, but I'm like, if I were to see a UFO today, like a real UFO, like at night, like no cab about it, a real UFO. And I didn't record it. Or even if I did record it. That's the thing. There's yeah. a large amount of people who wouldn't care. And then there's also a large amount of people who um, wouldn't believe it, right? Yeah. Like if I didn't record it and I actually saw it, I would just be titled as crazy. And I, that's yeah. so frustrating to me because like, what if these people did see UFOs for real? And I'm not talking about like 
the UFOs like the Pentagon has admitted to seeing, right? Which is probably just another country. Um, I'm talking about like an alien. If I saw a freaking alien in my backyard and I didn't record it. People no wouldn't one... believe you. Yeah. Bigfoot, the I same that. thing. If you saw a Bigfoot in your backyard and you didn't have like a concrete picture, people would just be like, you're nuts. Yeah. What about you, Ant? You think he killed himself? Um, I don't know a ton about like the whole Epstein thing, but I do think if he did have all that information, why? What is the motivation behind him killing himself? Um, I think I agree. I think if he does did like hold all that info, then I'm sure he probably was murdered. Um, I yeah. did read some stuff like. Like you were saying, there was a bunch of like famous people, politicians, all all kind of people that were would like go to this island or wherever it was and like have sex with underage people, underage girls, and um, so yeah, obviously people would if the people were participating, like politicians and stuff, they would obviously not want that out because then they would be in jail. Um, yeah. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. So, you know the capital, um, how it was raided. Yeah. Did you guys know that like four of the um police or four of the people who like helped protect the capital that were part of the government committed suicide after? Like one by one, they were just What? Oh, I didn't hear about that. Suicide. Yeah, it's, For it's real? very bizarre. And I'm like I love conspiracy theories, but I also know when to be like, okay, like who the hell knows you know yeah but what's the yeah, i find the, that very weird like what did they know or what did they see like it, is there something behind gosh, that like just kill each other or kill themselves after um a, an event like that without like seeing something they weren't supposed to see or something like that yeah they definitely something crazy happened whether it was like that was moment it, was was it really was suicide i was gonna say or was it really suicide you know what i yeah. mean yeah so that's the thing they're probably just getting murked by like yeah someone up high damn and... dude that's crazy i know that there's there's also conspiracies about um like there was there was a couple famous uh singers like chris cornell and then the lincoln park uh chester bennington they were working on some sort of foundation for sex trafficking and then they both killed themselves within like a few months and all of their, or maybe a year or two and all their family members were like, there was no indication of this. They were the happiest they've ever been. Like, this doesn't make any sense. So there was people thinking that like, that was, that was due to them working on the sex trafficking thing. And then someone caught wind of it and went and killed them. But that's crazy. That kind of stuff um, could possibly be happening in happening in our country and like our like society and the world that we live in. There's actually a girl I went to school with that like four, I don't know, three, four years ago got, uh, abducted and was like put into like sex trafficking and they never found her still to that this is day terrifying dude that is so bad just like you don't think things can happen until something happens like like it was where i'm from so within your world yeah, yeah. that is that is so sad man have you guys well, ever been to like arizona no there i've been there once i don't know if you saw the same thing i did they didn't have it the last time i was there but you go to in and out or you go like anywhere like the, you know, like how the highways have the digital signs. Yeah. There's always like a comment on like sex trafficking. It's pretty huge out there. Yeah. That's actually where I live too. There's um, in Iowa, we're like the crossroads of the two highways, the South interstate and the, the East West interstate. And so it has like the highest amount of sex trafficking and like, so like, I don't know, like it's one of the highest states. And so we have like crazy, crazy sex trafficking stuff everywhere because 
like the road stops, the truck stops. Um, there's, there's tons of it. So like, there's literally every corner you go to every restaurant you go to, there's like posters up for sex trafficking numbers to call faces of people like yeah. everywhere. Messed up world, man. Maybe yeah. I should uh, donate to them next. I don't know if they accept donations. Dude, I might have to after this conversation we've had too. Yeah. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher, I know, has a good foundation. But we want to we want to end. I guess I have one little quick question for you before we end this up. Um, why the like? What are the palm trees' significance? You just love them. What's what's the palm trees? Just a. <laughs> yeah, um, I just really like palm trees. Uh, whenever you look at a palm tree, you kind of just smile at it. Uh, That's so true. Good. It has good symbolism. Um, and where I'm from, I don't have them. So like, you know, you want what you can't have. So I, I like always, I'm always like super happy when I go to like California, Arizona, when you're able to see them. So it's just yeah. uh, more of like a, a symbol of happiness, I guess. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I, I do smile when I see the, the, your, your name with the palm trees or when people <laughs> comment about it. It's just like, ah, better times, better places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just That's awesome. to have that energy around me. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, we just want to wait, say, wait, wait. why, uh, why thick Teddy? So yeah, why so, thick Teddy? That's a great question. <laughs> oh man. So first date I went on with my girlfriend. Um, well not first date, like the first time we actually hung out at her, her house, we, uh, were watching Bob's burgers and it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen when Teddy came on. And it was so funny that uh, this was like, you gotta remember, this is like two or three times into us dating, um or into us going on a date so we're in her bed and the first time that we've actually been like in her house and watching it i laughed so hard that i farted the loudest fart i've ever farted in the presence of um i think anyone that i haven't known for a long time so i it's just a moment that rings true in my head because he's so funny it's just something that is really prominent like it's a memory that i remember quite often because it was the embarrassment how funny it was because i was laughing at that and then i started laughing at myself and then i was just laughing completely like just like when you have those moments where you're laughing so hard so it's just a, it's a memory that i have um and he's just hilarious and so i just needed someone to put as my profile and something that wasn't my name or me so i, I don't know you. i knew it what's that <laughs> i saw you post that mirror pic today with your ass on the sink like a hey in that hoodie. i was <laughs> I need to have the hoodie. Oh no, it's in my other room. But I'm like, yeah, damn, I've seen it like a hundred times from like white girls from my town. My ass was on. The, I was arching my back too. You know, showing <laughs> everyone why the, I got the, the double. Get to find out why yeah. you uh, why you have thick Teddy. We all know now. Yeah, everyone, everyone knows my my <laughs> deepest darkest secret. <laughs> it's good. All right, man. Well, uh, we appreciate you so much for coming on. We had so many people interested. I think there's going to be a ton of people who want to see this. So uh, thank you for all the insight. Thank you for your time. And um, I look forward to trading with you on, on Twitter, Discord, wherever I meet you. I had a lot of time uh, on here with you guys. I appreciate the opportunity to be here as well. So thank you for reaching out. Yeah, it was great. And uh, this is the first time we met. So um, it was it was really great meeting you. Yeah, likewise, man. Yeah. All right. Peace out, everybody.